0: This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France.
4: Get your motor running. Good morning, Cleveland, home of the smartest, strongest, fastest, toughest, and best-looking people in America. You are listening to Always Right on Salem 1420 WHK. This is Pete Kersnow, substituting for Bob Francis, 4th day of November 2022. Now, if you care to participate on today's show, the call-in number is 216 Nine zero one oh nine four five two one six nine zero one oh nine four five. Also one eight 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 two eight one 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 zero. We have open lines, open lines until ten. Wide open, wide open. At ten, we'll have our first guest. Then again, from ten thirty to eleven, we'll have open lines again. And then at eleven, we'll have our second guest. So, again, let me repeat that again, because I want to talk to you out there. We're coming up on a momentous election, but just want to talk to you anyway. We could talk about football. We could talk about anything you want to talk about. It is semi-open line Friday. Open lines until 10, again, from 10.30 to 11. Now, Bob's among the finest radio talk show hosts in America, if not the finest. Yet, he's once again demonstrated a Astonishingly appalling judgment in permitting me to guest host, thereby jeopardizing Salem's FCC license once again. I see Josh is in the booth. He's petrified also. Those of you who are regular listeners know that I'm Bob's regular Tuesday at 10 o'clock guest. I'm a lawyer, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. And in my spare time, I write thriller novels of the Tom Clancy, Brad Thor, Daniel Silva variety, Mark Greene variety. Mark Greeney did a blurb for one of my books. And uh, right after he did a blurb for one of my books, he got himself a $250 million Netflix contract. I am extremely jealous, of course. My next novel, The Devil's Weapons, is set for release December 9th. And a few months thereafter, its sequel, The Devil's Assassins, you can tell this is really original titling will be released, and then a few months after that, the Black Russian comes out. Now, you can pre-order Devil's Weapons right now. Pre-order Devil's Weapons right now on Amazon. Please do. I'll use the revenue therefrom for beer and bail money. In the meantime, you can find my articles on everything from immigration to crime to critical race theory to you name it, on National Review Online, The Federalist, and other right-wing crank sites. So, uh, you better believe I'm a proud crank of the highest order, and I think most of my writing reflects that. There's a little bit of intellectualism in there, not much, because I have a limited intellect. Now, I give lots of talks also from uh, everything from, you know, I go to the Senate Judiciary, testify, the House, you name it. Um, Lately, it's been by Zoom during the COVID, but uh, again... I hope it, um, you know, we get more in-person testimony because I like sparring with, uh, some of the folks like Maxine Waters and when Keith Ellison was in Congress, he used to have a great time. And then most recently, uh, wasn't that recent. It was about a year ago. Ted Liu and I had a shouting match that was covered extensively by Media Fox and, and Wall Street Journal. Uh, I wasn't shouting. He was shouting because he was losing. And I also, like to speak to a number of grassroots organizations. You may find me almost any weekend speaking to a group of folks like uh, the Medina County Friends and Neighbors, McFan. I'll be there next week, Saturday, November 12th at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina. That's a great facility if you've ever been there. All of the best-looking people are going to be there, so I'm hopeful that you'll attend. And then the Saturday after that, I'll be talking again. That's November 19th, 9 a.m. I'll be at the Woodside Events Center on uh, East Mill, uh, I can tell you stories about uh, East Mill Road, but I won't do so. All of my high school friends uh, could tell you stories about that. That's in Broadview Heights. Talking about restoring American classical education—extremely important, K through 12. Restoring American classical education. The event is sponsored by the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy. Uh, Bob, I think, Bob France is scheduled to be there too, so uh, we're going to have a good time, but it's a serious matter because education in this country, you probably have seen that um, the scores for our school kids have dropped uh, during the pandemic. I am um, not sure that the pandemic is the only reason for the decline in scores, it's clearly a substantial reason. But our scores have not been stellar for quite some time now, as I've said a number of times before. I don't know if uh, what I'm about to tell you is the up-to-date current information, but the last time I looked, the United States was 38th, 38th in math. Think about that. China's number one. We are 38th. We're teaching kids how to change their sex. We're teaching kids all manner of things, but we are 38th in math. Now, we're going to be great in the future at changing our sexes, but we won't be able to compete on an economic or military basis if we continue to maintain this current course of our educational instruction. This is pathet- pathetic as an understatement. Uh, but nonetheless, we are going to be at the Woodside Events Center, East Mill Road, Broadview Heights, Saturday, November 19th, to talk about restoring classical education. The event is sponsored by the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy. And... Uh, We're going to have a rocking good time. Again, bring bail money with you because, as you know, when I make these appearances, sometimes things get a little bit out of control and the gendarmes may show up. And frankly, um, you know, so I can be sprung quickly because these talks are on Saturdays. Saturday's beer drinking time. And I want to get out as soon as possible to drink some beer. So today... We have, as our guests, you may have seen uh, a reference to this made on Tucker 's show a couple of nights ago uh it 's something that, as a member of the Civil Rights Commission, I get involved in from time to time, and you know we get heads up on these things far in advance of it uh, getting into the public sphere but Robert Seckler from our friends at Alliance defending freedom as as you know alliance defending freedom has been. Uh, uh, on this program, a number of times I've had guests, and I know Bob has in the past, they do phenomenal work on a whole host of religious freedom and other freedom issues, First Amendment freedoms. And he's going to talk about a case that uh, is going on in New England where a lawsuit they have filed on behalf of a father and a 14-year-old daughter. The father was a soccer coach at this elementary and middle school, and uh, his daughter and the other girls in a gym class were very concerned because a biological male, a boy, came into the locker room and dressed and undressed there. And they went to the school administration and they complained. And lo and behold, because they complained, they got suspended because the soccer coach didn't use the quote-unquote appropriate pronouns. He gets suspended. We'll talk a little bit about that um, when I was teaching law school more recently, I was teaching elements of this uh, with respect to First Amendment freedoms of public employees, etc. There are a whole host of cases, the Garcetti versus uh, uh, Ceballos case. Don't want to bore you with that. Talking about case names puts people to sleep immediately. So I'll avoid doing that. But I'm going to let Phil Seckler talk about that. Then at 11, we'll talk to J.D. Vance, Republican candidate for Senate in Ohio. That's right. We're going to have him on And we're going to talk about, frankly, what it is that separates him from Tim Ryan. Now, we have a pretty good idea what separates him from Tim Ryan, sanity versus insanity. Tim Ryan has signed on to almost everything that the Democratic Party has come up to. And let's face it, many of you out there have been Democrats in the past. Some of you may even be nominal Democrats now. I was a Democrat up until, well, just kind of... Muddling through, and I'll tell you the reasons for that at some later point, up until the Clarence Thomas hearings of uh, the early 1990s when uh, I watched his confirmation hearings and I said, no more. I had been a Democrat because I live in Cleveland where my wife and I are the only registered Republicans in our ward uh, right now. But in order to vote for a primary candidate, of course, there were no Republican primary candidates. I want to have some direction over or give some direction over who my representatives were going to be. So, But I said, after that, no more. I can't abide by this. I was always a conservative. But uh, the Democratic Party has gone off the cliff, let's face it. It has gone off the cliff while we are suffering through inflation, gas prices, and a, buckle, a debacle of foreign policy on a number of fronts, a in a complete erasure of the southern border, crime going through the roof, inflation and gas prices going through the roof, everything seeming to go through the roof except the good things, no more. Can't do it. And a lot of it, you can draw a direct line. This is not speculative. You can draw a direct line from a Democrat policy to some debacle that's occurred over the last two years. So, 11 o'clock, J.D. Vance, Republican candidate for Senate in Ohio. He'll be making his closing pitch. You want, don't want to miss that. Tuesday's election will determine, among other things, whether the Biden administration, through its Title IX, now we were talking just a minute ago about Phil Seckler and what's going on in um, our school's, with respect to boys using girls' bathrooms, boys using showers, vice versa. You, you rarely do hear the opposite, where a girl identifies as a boy. That hardly ever happens. Uh, I will tell you that when I was in high school, one of our greatest fantasies among us guys was hey, yeah, let's go shower with the girls. We'd love to do something like that. Had I just, had I just, stumbled upon this idea, we would have been in great shape. You know, this would have been phenomenal. But it's always peculiar that you don't ever hear stories about girls going into the boys' locker room. It's always the other way around. But you may recall, we talked about this a couple of months ago, the Biden administration has promulgated rules, uh, or at least proposed rules, under Title IX. That would allow boys to use girls' locker rooms and bathrooms. And if schools did not permit that, funding would be withdrawn. They were using a cudgel to make sure that schools implemented this. Well, when an administration proposes new regulations, they've got to go through a certain administrative process. And one part of that process, it goes through the notice and comment period. That is, people send in their comments, sometimes experts, sometimes ordinary Americans, and then they must use those comments to inform how they draft those regulations. Okay, That's a requirement of law. I've been involved in litigation related to that, going all the way up to the Supreme Court. In these rules, it provides just that. That is, these new Title IX rules, which will probably be implemented because they had... Um, They really don't care, despite the fact that a record, a record number of comments were submitted. And you can bet the vast majority of those comments opposed strenuously those rules. But a record number of comments were submitted with respect to those proposed rules. So here we are, Phil Seckler at 10, J.D. Vance at 11. But the rest of the time, the next two and a half hours is yours. Call in. Two sixteen nine zero one oh nine four five. The lines are wide open, and we've got Sally, Mark, Jim, and Lenny, who are holding. Hold on. When we come back, we're going to get to your calls.
0: Fourteen twenty. The answer.
4: Good morning, Cleveland. Pete, Chris, not sitting for Rob Bra Brant. and always right. We've got several people holding. I promised we were going to get to your calls, and let's do so. Let's go to Sally in Berea. Sally, how you doing?
6: Hi, Pete. It's an honor to speak with you today. I am seeking your input on how best to counter CRT and the transgender movement, since at the state level. They are simply studying, quote, studying the Shea Resolution instead of putting it on the books. Maybe some lawsuits could be brought to challenge, um, the, to, to int- institute challenges to Title IX.
4: Yeah.
6: And then locally, we need to push back on the fundamentals of reading, writing, arithmetic, and civics. How basic is that? And thanks
7: for your expertise.
4: Yeah, thanks very much, Sally. This is important. The educational issues are fundamental. You know, I mean, it almost sounds like I'm doing a commercial. Um, they are. They are fundamental to who we are as a country and the direction in which we're going. The left understands that, and that's why they have completely taken over the educational establishment so they can inculcate our kids. In way, let, Let's face it again, as I said at the outset, our grades, our test scores are declining. But, boy, we've got the wokest kids in the world. They can tell you all kinds of things about, you know, uh, changing your sex and all manner of things that have nothing to do with success in the world and promoting the interests of the United States of America, the greatest Republican in the history of the world. There are so many things we can do, Sally. Thanks for bringing that up. But one of them that I would suggest is make sure that you get in touch with, yes, your elected representatives. They are beholden to you. If they want to remain in power, they've got to do your bidding. And your bidding is, among other things, keep getting in touch with them by phone, by email, by any mechanism you can. Being in their faces directly. By in their face, I don't mean don't be confrontational necessarily, but let them know precisely where you stand. There are bills currently pending. Shea Resolution, for example, call, and I wish I had it in front of me, and I wish I was better prepared. And I apologize for that because I'm always telling you to be prepared by having an index card with the numbers of various politicians, uh, boards, what have you, that have input and or control over these types of issues. Call your elected representatives. Call the state school board. Demand that the resolution be implemented. Make sure that you protect the interests of our kids, that we we are teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. That is the purpose of our schools. The other stuff is up to parents. Mark and Jim and Lenny, hold on. We're going to another break, unfortunately, but we will get to you at the other side of the bottom of the hour. Thanks very much. Pete Kirstenow for Bob France on Always Right.
0: Right Radio on the Answer.
4: Good morning, Cleveland, and welcome once again to Always Right on Salem 1420. Pete Kursanow sitting in for Bob France, and we've got people holding. Let's go to Mark in Fairview. Mark, how are you? Fine,
8: Mister Uh I want to. I'm going to move really fast. I had a couple things I wanted to say, but. First of all, I don't want to concentrate on that uh, nihilistic uh, two-headed hominoid in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, you know what? I might come on a little bit tough with what I'm saying, but he's not giving anybody. Even after a stroke, he's not giving anybody a break. So my personal opinion is: looking at this guy, I worked federal corrections for two years, so I, uh, you know, that kind of rings a bell to me. But also, I want to mention that uh, you know, lately on the news, we've got uh, every time I watch the news, we're being called fascists and Nazis. Congresswoman down in Florida calling the governor a, a fascist and everything, especially this mega from the Biden mega he's I, I see what they're trying to do. they're trying to equate that with NSDAP and all all I know is that if we win this election, I just wanted to ask you, uh, do I have to order a uh, Nazi armband or do I have to fill out paperwork to become a Gruppenführer? you know that's the way they have us that's the way they have us pictured, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah, Mark. anyhow. I just like the way you you come up shooting. You're fired up, and, uh, you know, I listen to Gorka, Steve Bannon, Dennis Prager, Bob France, yourself, and you've been coming on strong lately. I think instead of just coming up shooting, I think you're like a cannon now, loaded with double canister, and and it's good to listen to fighters like yourself because it raises my spirits because every day the media, whatever, this guy has some new plan to destroy this country, and it just makes me sick to my stomach. Mark, you're uh, you're not alone. Thank thank you for this grand fight you're putting on, and thank you very much for taking my call.
4: Mark, thank you. Thanks for calling in. And uh, look, I I think that uh, the critical mass in our country right now is on your side. The really concur with everything you've had to say, not with respect to me necessarily, but with respect to where we're going as a country. And I think that's why we're seeing the beginnings of a massive red wave. I've been saying this now. You've heard me on Bob's show for the last couple of months. I've looked at the metrics. I've been following these kinds of things for about 30 years now. And, People have been kind of reticent about talking about the red wave. I'll get into it in a minute, in fact, to tell you some of the metrics. I've mentioned this once before. I also mentioned it at the Battleground Tour. I've updated some of the metrics to let you know historically the basis upon which you can predict a midterm election. And it's fairly accurate. doesn't mean that it's infallible, but it's fairly accurate. And if we follow the past uh, evidence, of what's going to happen. This is going to be a titanic wave. Again, if it doesn't happen, you know, it'll be an anomaly, but all signs point to Republicans taking over for a very good reason. The last two years, we were told for four years that, um, as you indicated, the MAGA Republicans were the worst things in the world. Donald Trump was a fascist. We're all fascists. The United States is going down the tubes. But we had. The greatest economy we've ever had. We had low gas prices, low inflation, record low unemployment for every demographic group. We had peace across the Middle East. In fact, we had two peace treaties that were signed that would have awarded anybody else a Nobel Prize, but for the fact that the media said nothing about it. Just like the media will not cover the catastrophe at the southern border. You talk to some of your left-wing friends, they're completely oblivious to it. It's not that they're necessarily bad people or anything. They're not even aware of this because ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, all of those alphabet networks and cable stations do not cover it. I sometimes peek in on these things so you don't have to just to see whether or not they're covering it. They don't know. I've talked to very smart people, attorneys who are aware of a lot of things going on in the world and they think very critically, but when they have a deer-in-the-headlights look when you bring up, for example, the fact that 2.6 million people that we know of crossed the border last year. 2.6 million people in any other historical context, that's a war. That's an invasion. It's being invited by our federal government. Astonishing. If anything is a basis for impeachment, it is that. Biden has completely abdicated his his most important responsibilities as a president. And that is to protect and defend not just the Constitution of the United States, but the borders of the United States, because as a number of people have said, and it's true, if you do not have a border, you do not have a country. And especially with you talk about some of the candidates that they're putting forward. It tells you the contempt that the left has for the American people left, right or in the middle. Fetterman, for a long time, the media has hidden his condition. All due respect to him, we wish him well. We hope he recovers, but he should not be anywhere near being in the, the United States Senate. Now, it just so happens that we have a lot of other people in the Senate who are not necessarily up to capacity. That's another thing. We may have to get rid of them some other way. But Fetterman, we are going in with our eyes open. Thankfully, we had a debate. The Democrats try to avoid that for a long time. And when I say Democrats, I mean 95% of the media also who tried to keep this quiet, that he had no issues whatsoever. And then we see, let me ask you a question. If you are, I do this very often. I, I fly a lot. When I get onto a plane, when I'm coming down the jetway, I always try to peek into the, the cockpit to see who's flying. And I'll tell you the reasons for that in the past. I had a really interesting experience uh, once about 30 years ago. But I want to see who's in the cockpit, okay? And that doesn't make any difference, you know, uh, at the end of the day, but I just want to get a sense who's in the cockpit. I always like seeing that guy who's got the white hair. He looks like he's been there for a long time. You know, if we get into some turbulence, I'm going to feel okay. If I see somebody with a clown nose on, I'm going to think twice about whether or not I'm going to get on that plane. And i got to tell you, if I know that Fetterman, based on what I saw in the debate, is going to be in that cockpit, I'll ask you, would you get in that plane now? Being on an airplane is not the same thing as uh, being in the country with one senator out of 100. But we're the United States of America. Pennsylvania gets two senators, and one of them is going to be somebody who can't live up to the job. He can't. It's that simple. We can be compassionate about him, but get another job. Well, he's rich. His parents gave him tons of money. He doesn't need this. Give the people of Pennsylvania, what they deserve. And if they vote for him, they'll deserve it. Let's go to Jim in West Park. Jim, how are you?
3: Good morning, uh, Pete. Um, I, I, uh, Bob France misspoke the other day. And since he's not here to defend himself, I will apologize to his listeners for this. He was referring to the flag, and he said it flaps in the breeze. It doesn't flap in the breeze like a loose awning or loose lips, President Asterix. It flies proudly higher than out in front of other flags. Okay. And one more point. Did you know that our first five presidents were not born in the
7: United States?
4: I don't think I know know that? that. No. Um, And I'd have to take a look at that. I'd have to think about that because I'm not aware of it, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Hello, Jim, you still there? Sounds like we lost Jim. Um, With respect to the flag, I'm sure that Bob believes that the flag flies proudly. Um, You know, uh, and I think that it's just an elocution on his part. We believe and the United States flag. We don't care about all these other flags that the left likes to fly for whatever reason. What was a tragedy to me and infuriating was a couple of days ago, you may have seen this report, where they removed a uh, uh, at a, a college, and now it escapes me. I apologize for that. I've got 5,000 different things on my mind, but a, this is not a surprise to you, of course, because it could probably happen at almost any college these days. But they removed... The flag flying outside a dorm room that students had put up because they thought it was too threatening, intimidating, uh, triggering is the current word because we've got uh, a lot of precious flowers out there who can't take the sight of the American flag. But they removed the American flag, yet right next to it was a BLM flag, a gay rights flag or gay pride flag. Uh, those were not removed. Uh, This all goes in one direction. Resist it mightily every time you get an opportunity. Be smart about it. Be calibrated about it. Don't necessarily cause undue hardship or harm, but resist at all times that kind of lunacy. We've allowed it to be perpetuated for too long. Well, let's talk about a couple of things. I'm going to take a little bit of... uh, Point of personal privilege. I want to go into the elections for just a moment. We got the midterms coming up in four days. Everyone's predicting a red wave. The Democrat and the Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, we're predicting for the longest term or time that uh, you know the red wave isn't going to materialize. That's because they believe that Supreme Court's Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade, which would be energizing to the Democrat voters, would carry them through the midterms. The problem for Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, is that abortion doesn't rank as one of the top three concerns for voters. In fact, by a large margin in comparison to abortion, voters' concerns are, number one, inflation, number two, crime, number three, border security. You know that. Those are the top three issues voters prefer Republicans over Democrats by those issues, by incredible margins, and those margins are generally determinative of any election. If you look at history, but the numbers here are staggering. We haven't seen anything like that. Top three issues that the Republicans are preferred over Democrats on, inflation by 31 points. Usually you'll see a margin of 1.2 points, 3 points, something of that nature. But Republicans are preferred on inflation by 31 points, on the issue of crime, Republicans preferred over Democrats by you ready for this thirty two points thirty two points on immigration by twenty three points now the Amer- the democrats' biggest issue, the issue over which they are prefer- preferred by Repu- over republicans is abortion and that 's why that 's all you hear them talking about but In contrast to a 31, 32 and 23 point preference on inflation, crime and immigration, respectively, on the part of Republicans, Democrats are ahead of uh, uh, Republicans on abortion by only nine points. That's all. So voters preference on the top issues is one of the four fairly reliable metrics in determining which party prevails in the midterm. The second is presidential approval rating. On those top issues. In other words, how does the president fare in treating or addressing those top issues? There again, Democrats have major problems. When the president's approval rating is below 50% on the top issues, his party will lose seats in the midterms. Right now, Biden's approval rating on the top issues are among the lowest measured. Not among the lowest measured. I believe that they are the lowest measured. On inflation, he's only got a 30% approval rating on crime a 32% approval rating on immigration a 31% approval rating i've got a few other metrics that i can get to later on in the program but before i do let's i want to get as many callers in as possible let's go to barbara in parma barbara how are you barbara you there hello barbara
6: hey good morning
4: good morning barbara what's on your mind today hello. Hello, are you there?
6: I'm hello.
4: We're having some problems here. Barbara, give you one more shot and then we'll have to ask you to call in again. Uh we're having some technical uh, problems. Barbara, are you there?
6: I'm here. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. You know, just a quick comment uh with all this stuff going on out in San Francisco and uh, two guys in their underwear and one gets hit in the head with a hammer. Gee, the one that did all the damage is going to be in court within a week. And we've got how many people in Washington, D.C. for almost two years now that have never even been given the privilege of meeting with an attorney?
4: Absolutely, Barbara. You've nailed it. We have people. How
6: does that work?
4: It works because we no longer live in the Democratic Republic we thought we lived in. We have the Biden administration. Let's face it, the, the party in power controls what a lot of people call the deep state. I'll simply call Mm -hmm. it the bureaucracy. I mean from head to toe. I used to be there. I used to be the head of an agency.
6: But you'd be taken off the air if I said it.
4: Yeah, well, I I will tell you that what's happening now is uh, a travesty is too mild a word. It is threatening. It's troubling. It is scary because they are weaponizing virtually every aspect Mm -hmm. of the federal government. Now, the left likes to lie about that because they're not on the receiving end. Somebody tell me why it is that ministers who are singing hymns in front of abortion clinics have visits from the FBI with semi-automatic weapons, drag them out of their homes in front of their kids, and put them in jail to be awaiting trial for who knows when. And this has been right. happening on a regular basis, yet they will champion. We have a vice president of the United States who will raise bail money for BLM riders who are burning down uh-huh. businesses. Biz- uh, Uh, businesses and other buildings in what the media, that is a democratic communications arm, tell us are mostly peaceful protests. We are being gaslighted to death in a way reminiscent of the most totalitarian regimes imaginable. Not an exaggeration, as Biden likes to say. Well, I tell
6: you. Biden exaggerates everything, and in fact, I looked through some of my receipts the other day. I can't find anything where I paid $5 for gas when Trump was in.
4: (laughs) Exactly right. I distinctly remember on January 16th of 2020, just before Biden's inauguration, filling up my gas, and I don't know why it struck me. It just was seared in my brain for some reason, but I was paying $2.16 for a gallon of gas, just before Biden was inaugurated, not a surprise because he's conducted a literal war on energy, war yeah, on energy, a, and if even if, wanted, on, even if you wanted, even if you want to transition, Yes, it's a, war on, everyone. Yeah, it's a yeah, war on everyone. A, when you have a, a war, war on, on energy, you have a war on everyone. America well, you runs. Have a
6: great, have a great day, and I'll tell you what, I, I just it just hurts me to say that this clown out in California is going to have his trial in a week or, or see a, an attorney. <laughs>
4: Well, there's there's Paul Pelosi, and then there's you, Barbara, and there are yeah, different standards yeah. for you and, and the from, anointed. Mm-hmm, that's where we are right. in America today.
6: Absolutely, I want to see their downfall so badly. I just, I, I just, they got to. Somebody's got to bring them to task, and it has to be swift and dirty. If that's the only way to put
4: it. <laughs> Thanks very much for your call, Barbara. You I think we are going to go to a break. Let's do so, and then. Uh, We will have a few more minutes if you'd wish to call in at that point. But I've got a lot to say. I've got a lot of things I want to address with respect to the election. Also, give you some metrics, some more metrics that should make you feel pretty good about the election. But get out and vote if you haven't already done so. Feel good statistics are no substitute for casting a ballot. Pete Kirsten now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right.
5: All right, friends, the annual enrollment period is here. If you're a Medicare recipient, this is the day you've been waiting for. This is the moment you've been waiting for, the time you've been waiting for. Because if you're in a bad plan and you were paying too much for anything, whether it be premiums, whether it be copays, whether it be prescription drug coverage, if you were in the wrong Medicare plan for the last year, now you can change it. The annual enrollment period is here. Call four four oh. to find out how and what your options are. And oh, by the way, if you have never been in Medicare and you are just now aging into the program or you have aged into it but you have not used it in the past now, again, is how you learn how to make uh, get this done. Listen, Medicare can be complicated. There are plenty of options, a lot of different plans, a lot of different insurance carriers who all want you to sign up with them. So why should you call 440-832-8936? Well, because that's that keeps Medicare simple. Instead of complicated, it's simple. In fact, that's what Mark King named it 33 years ago when he founded Keeping Medicare Simple. And the goal is to make sure that you understand all of your options and that you have a lot of different companies to choose from so you are not beholden to one. See, Mark can give you the objective, unbiased advice that a lot of other people cannot give you because he represents multiple carriers and, moreover, because he's the foremost expert on Medicare in Northeast Ohio. He knows all of the rules, what is available here, what is not available here, because it is different around the country. Uh, when you've been doing it as long as Mark has, honestly, uh, there's just nobody better. 440-832-8936. Log on and learn more at KeepingMedicareSimple.com. It's a tremendously user-friendly website. You'll get all of the answers you need, and then you call for an appointment with Mark at 440-832-8936. I trust Mark King with Medicare.
4: Good morning, Cleveland. Pete Kirsten now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right. I want to get to as many calls as possible before we go to the top of the hour. And at the top of the hour, we'll have Phil Seckler from the American uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. Let's go to Andy in Millburg Heights. Andy, how are
3: you? Good morning, sir, and thank you for taking my call. I don't I don't usually do this, but there's another uh, radio host, Mike Gallagher. i got to give him credit. I've seen people pumped up and everything, but he said it all yesterday. He said... Biden, go to hell. That's, that was his thing. And he says right down the line, Clinton, Aldia, go to hell. We're taking America back. This is enough. And I've never heard him so pumped up. He gets like Bob does. And he gets so pumped up that he said that. And, I, I mean, it, it actually gave you goosebumps to hear someone who is actually just like you guys are, though. He's actually getting on a ball, and he's telling so we've had enough already. I mean, I'm 81 years old, and I busted my butt my whole life. And to see what's going on to this country <clears throat> and running out of diesel fuel, people aren't, people aren't paying attention. If they run out of diesel fuel, there's going to be some empty shelves, and we're already seeing that in wholesale clubs. The shelves are empty. People are panicking. But he said, he said it all in three words, and, that, and he said, I'm going to keep doing it, and if they throw me off the air, I don't really care. He says, Biden, go to hell. Obama, go to hell. He saying, we're taking America back. And, 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 sir, that's how I feel. I, that's just, I think, I've, what's your opinion of that?
4: My opinion is even stronger than that, but I can't use that language because I see Josh Booth staring at me. And again, FCC license. I promised Bob that I would not jeopardize it this time, so I'm going to stick to my promise. But Andy, thanks very much for your call. We're at the top of the hour, and the top of the hour gods tell me I've got to relinquish my uh, bloviating here to the news. But when we come back at the other side of this hour, we're going to be talking to Phil Seckler from the Alliance Defending Freedom on Boys in Girls Locker Rooms. For those of you who want to continue our holding or, or calling in, wait until the bottom of the next hour. I'll take your calls. We're going to save America, as Larry Elder has to say. This is an important election coming up. We're going to be addressing all of your issues. This is Pete now sitting for Bob France on Always Right Salem 1420 WHK.
9: Trump declared there has never been a president that has been better to the farmers or better to Iowa than Trump. Now, will he make another run for the White House? He is teasing it, but there's no answer just yet. That could come after the midterm elections in four days. While in Sioux City, Mr. Trump again mentioned his endorsement of Governor Kim Reynolds and Senator Chuck Grassley. With the midterms fast approaching, President Biden is stumping in blue states. In New Mexico, yesterday described Republicans as reckless and irresponsible. Today, wraps up his current campaign swing with a visit to California. A blizzard of pink slips could be on the way at Twitter. Employees expecting to find out today whether they still have a job. The new boss, Elon Musk, planning to cut the staff of 7,500 in half. He's also looking at other cost-saving measures at the social media giant. Watching Wall Street, the Dow is up 213 points, the NASDAQ 38 points higher, and the S&P is up 25. More on these stories at townhall.com. Hi, I'm Lance Wall,
10: now Christian author and evangelical leader, here to remind you that God's gifts should never be taken for granted. Take, for example, your retirement savings. You've worked hard for your money, and God has rewarded you for that. Now, with record inflation eating away at the value of the U.S. dollar, those rewards are literally being taken from you. But there is a way the faithful can fight back. By diversifying your retirement account into gold, your savings can be protected. And that's what God wants. Even better, a physical gold IRA from Birch Gold Group allows you to transfer your current retirement funds into gold without fees or penalties. To see how it works, text the word FAITH to 989898 98 98 to get a free info kit on gold IRAs. That's FAITH to 989898. 98 98. Take action right now, and I pray that your family is blessed with continued prosperity.
9: Ukraine's president accusing Russia of energy terrorism, saying Russian attacks on Ukraine's power grid have left four and a half million civilians without power. In
0: his nightly address, President Zelensky said that Kiev and 10 other regions had been affected by blackouts. Temporary emergency shutdowns had to be put in place because so much of Ukraine's energy infrastructure has been destroyed by Russian missile strikes. Mr. Zelensky acknowledged the frustration of many Ukrainians with the power Shortages and said he'd asked energy companies to do better.
9: That's a BBC's Catherine Bayou Arhanga reporting from Kiev. South Korea scrambled about 80 military aircraft, including advanced F 35 fighter jets, after tracking about 180 flights by North Korean warplanes inside North Korean territory. It appeared to be a defiant show of strength on the part of the North. News and analysis at townhall.com.
1: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
0: Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer.
4: Good morning, Cleveland. Pete now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right. Bob, once again, jeopardizing 1420's FCC licensing by having me guest host. We have uh, a lot of issues to uh, discuss. We did so in the last hour, but we have a great guest coming up with respect to what I consider to be a matter that seems to be a cultural and constitutional affront to all of us frankly. And our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, as you guys know, almost every time I substitute, I have uh, somebody from ADF um, because they're doing great work protecting our culture and our Constitution. But I saw something a couple of nights ago, um, I think it was on Tucker's show, about a phenomenon that seems to be occurring more and more often. Now, in a nation of 340 million people or thereabouts, uh, it may not be something that's occurring on a regular basis, but it's enough that it's it's a cultural marker that tells us if we don't stand athwart history, as they say, uh, this country will radically change. And that is that uh, Alliance Defending Freedom has brought a lawsuit on behalf of, I believe, and we'll get to our guest in just a second, but uh, I'll set the stage here, it appears as if a um, male was changing clothes in a locker room with females, middle school females, 13, 14-year-old females, and yet the school took action against the female who complained as well as her father. Let's get into what the actual facts are. That was my understanding. Let's go to Phil Seckler from Alliance Defending Freedom. Phil, how are you?
11: I'm doing great, Pete. It's
4: nice to be with you. Great, great. Thanks very much. You know, in in a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I have litigated uh, cases that dealt with compelled speech all the way up to the D.C. Circuit, and I'm not an expert at this. ADF is, but it seemed to me that there might have been some issues with respect to Garcetti versus Ceballos, if this guy is a public employee, and Connick versus Myers. But why don't you tell our audience precisely what's going on with respect to this case?
11: Yeah, so we filed the case last Thursday because, just as you said, uh, a male student came into the girls' locker room while the girls were changing, Uh, some were undressed, and uh, some of the students were upset and complained about it. The next day, our client was talking with her friends, explaining her view, why it was inappropriate for the male to be in the locker room, and because of that, uh, a bullying investigation was opened, and she eventually was suspended. And her father also was punished for making similar comments on Facebook in response to the mother of the transgender student. So we saw it as a clear First Amendment violation to punish these two for speaking their opinions on matters of public concern. And so we filed the lawsuit last week.
4: Yeah. And the father, was he, was he an employee or was he a volunteer soccer coach?
11: Yeah, he was a part-time employee. He had a contract to coach the middle school girls' soccer, uh, and he was suspended. The punishment that they put on him was he was suspended from that. Uh, so, but nothing that he said had anything to do with his coaching. Uh, he was at home on Facebook, so I don't think it has anything to do with Garcetti. Although that was a good, good point there, Pete.
4: Okay. Well, I, I try to make as good points as possible. You know. I sometimes, <laughs> but I'm relying on you guys because you're the experts, and you guys do such a great job. Again, Alliance Defending Freedom, I know that our listeners give massive support to the organization, deservingly so, one of the few manning the ramparts in the ongoing assault on our First Amendment freedoms. Well, all freedoms, frankly, but the First Amendment freedoms of religious freedom and speech are paramount, they're in the first amendment for a reason but um in terms of what the soccer coach father supposedly did what's the alleged what did he supposedly violate did was it some kind of uh Vermont statute or reg or w- what is the school saying is the basis for disciplining him
11: yeah the school said that he was guilty of misgendering the male student by using the pronoun he and referring him to him as your son in a message to the mother um the school claimed that misgendering violated a number of policies none of which addressed this including their own expectations of him as a coach not to quote unquote misgender somebody in the community
4: so this was on his facebook page and he was doing this in his private capacity
11: yes it, well it was a. Uh, WCAX in Burlington had this on their Facebook page because they did a story. And so there was a lot of public comment on this story in Randolph, Vermont, because a lot of people had opinions. And he was responding, actually, to a post that the mother of the male student who walked into the girls' locker room had made. And in that, he kind of expressed his opinion that the male student doesn't belong in the girls' locker room. Uh, And he used the pronoun he, and he referred to the male student as a male. And that got him suspended,
4: yeah, and uh, referring to the court cases without you know having our listeners eyes glaze over, my recollection is and it 's been a while since i 've done this, but if you are a public employee and you 're in the course of your employment, in this case, it appears as if he was not necessarily expressing these in the course of his employment, but as a public employee, you usually get to express a position as a citizen on a matter of public concern, unless it's part of your official duties. Uh, like if you're, you know, take tickets uh, for, for traffic violations, you're not supposed to be necessarily talking about, you don't have an unfettered right to talk about the things that are part of your duties. But if it's a matter of public concern, if you want to express your opinion with respect to whether or not you should display the American flag, public employees don't uh, check their First Amendment rights at the, at the door when they come into work just because they're public employees. Isn't that correct?
11: That's exactly right. And the question is whether or not when you speak, you're speaking as a private citizen, which you're entitled to do, or as a public employee. And here our client was clearly expressing his views on a matter of public concern as a private citizen and as a father, frankly, as he was supporting his daughter.
4: Yeah. And this lawsuit, Phil, was this filed in state court?
11: We're in federal court in uh, Vermont. And one thing I think that's important to add Is the same day that we filed the lawsuit, after we filed the lawsuit, the school lifted the discipline that it imposed on the student. Um, So they claim there was a procedural irregularity, but they basically took away the suspension and the other punishment that they had levied on the ninth-grade student we represent.
4: Yeah, well, lawsuits have a way of concentrating the mind wonderfully, as they say. And, uh, well, that's a win. That's a win. But uh, in the overarching (laughs) scheme of things, you still got a little bit of ways to go, don't you?
11: We do. We would like the court to make it clear that people are entitled under the First Amendment to express their opinion on matters of public concern, and in the course of discussing whether or not males belong in girls' locker rooms, to say a male is a male.
4: Yeah, uh, that's, (laughs) I know, I don't remember who was, I spoke to uh, two other attorneys from ADF a couple, about a year ago on the whole issue of, it seems a lot of things are happening in New Hampshire, uh, not New Hampshire, but in the New England, because we had the issue of um, males participating on track teams and obliterating female records. If we continue to go down this path, female sports is, it, it only takes a few, it doesn't take a wholesale Uh, a migration of males into female sports or into female locker rooms. All it takes is a few to disrupt female locker rooms dramatically. But uh, I was talking to a couple of your uh, colleagues about the issue of these two males. I think it was New Hampshire, maybe it was Vermont. I should know this, but it was a while back, who – they were mediocre and I don't mean to be disparaging of them, but they were just average at best male track athletes. And then all of a sudden they became female in their minds and they participated in female track and obliterated all the records. No one even came close. And, uh, this is a real issue if we continue to do something like this. And I think that the type of litigation that ADF is involved in is essential to preserving just common sense. Um, the next step with respect to the federal, how long do you think this is going to take? Because one of the things that the um, proponents of these uh, initiatives to have males and uh, female locker rooms depend on is, look, there's a finite amount of time. Somebody's in high school for maybe a couple of years. By the time these things win their way through the legal process, uh, it's almost moot. People are already on to college. So wh- what, how do you see this Progressing through the legal system.
11: Yeah, I think it you know, we're gonna go into discovery now. Our request for preliminary relief was kind of moot now because of the school not imposing the discipline. And they also kind of uh said the father could coach other sports and the soccer season's over. So um we're gonna go forward in discovery, uh get a you know, hope to get a ruling from the court sometime in the next year on the First Amendment issues. Uh but at least for now the punishment that the school is seeking to impose uh, seems to have fallen by the wayside.
4: Excellent. Now, for my purposes, because I, I don't know this, is when the school says that calling a student "he" that is misgendering pronouns violates I don't know Vermont law, Vermont statutes, athletic uh, association rules. I don't know this, and I should. But something seems wrong about that. Um, I can't put my finger on it, but it's not necessarily compelled speech. But if you, you are required to use certain pronouns, is this, are they claiming this is a form of harassment? What's their theory here?
11: Yeah, I, their claim is it's a form of harassment, bullying. To call somebody a pronoun that is inconsistent with the gender identity they've chosen.
4: Uh, very interesting. I've got a lot to say about that. But I'm going to hold my tongue because, again, I've got uh, you know the station manager here glaring at me and the FCC license is in the balance. So, Phil, I want to thank you very much for appearing on the show. I know you guys are extremely busy. This is very valuable. Our listeners love this kind of stuff. They don't like what uh, caused this, but they love informed about what's going on, but most importantly, that we have an organization like Alliance Defending Freedom and someone like you and your colleagues to defend our most closely and cherished held beliefs, such as the ability to speak freely without necessarily hurting anybody else, but also to recognize what reality is. Phil, do you have any else to, anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners that would help them? understand what's going on in this case
11: you know just that it's important to stand up for your right to speak you know that our clients did that in this case and the school backed down so it is important to stand up because a lot of times I think the schools expect people will back down yep. and, and not push it that's so exactly it's, it's right an important, uh, important battle
4: in the last two years that I've been substituting for Bob France on this show I've had at least four other Alliance Defending Freedom cases that we've talked about and in each case all it took now, I'm not saying this happens in every instance because you guys have to fight hard and you've got to you know, a draft complaints that will make people do this. But in every single case, once the complaint was was filed, all of a sudden they started backing off. Now, the litigation may take some time, but it stopped the lunacy in its tracks for the moment. Phil Seckler, Alliance Defending Freedom, thanks very much. Thank you
11: very much, Pete. Bye-bye.
4: Pete Kirsten now sitting in for Bob France. We're going to go to the break, and at the bottom of the hour... Well, actually, before we even get to the bottom of the hour, I'd like to take your calls on all manner of things. And then at the top of the next hour, we'll go to J.D. Vance. But for now, it's Open Line Friday on 1420 WHK, Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer.
2: Good
4: morning, Cleveland. Pete Kirsten now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right we have a couple minutes to the bottom of the hour. Let's go to, let's take in B.J. from North Olmsted. B.J., how are you? I'm fine.
12: Thank you for taking my call. I would like to make clear something that was said many years ago. I care not who runs the government as long as I control the banks and their money. And that's what's going on. The interest that was put on the American public through the uh, Federal Reserve Bank and all the other banks is going to hurt and bankrupt a lot of people. And if we have a depression, economic depression, you're going to see a lot of these people living in these beautiful homes in these suburbs, losing their property, losing their assets. And we have to become aware that we're on the brink of a civil war in this country, and it's serious. I am 92. I know what I speak of. I remember what brought on World War II and the cost it was. And we're on that kind of threshold right now. And the American people have to wake up. After this election, you're going to start to see the unleashing of some of the most vicious vitriol against the people that love this Constitution and the attack on their religion as well. Thank you for listening, and God bless
4: America. Thank you, B.J. 92. Listeners, you just heard B.J., who's 92, sound 1,000 times more articulate than the pretender-in-chief in the White House who can't order ice cream without fumbling all over himself and getting cookies in return. This that was a great exposition on what's troubling America. Among other things, fiat currency, we've got inflation going through the roof, we're pumping all kinds of dollars into the system. Everyone is concerned, very very much concerned, and I don't know that we get out of this that simply simply because Republicans are, you know, they're poised to have a massive victory next week, if all goes the way it should go, simply because we now have a Republican Senate and House, doesn't mean our problems are going to go away. It's going to be a real struggle. It's going to take the involvement of every single one of us, every single one of you listening to the program. We're getting to the bottom of the hour. I hear music that usually tells me I've got to um, kind of close up. The FBI has not yet appeared. According to Marianne, the FBI is not outside the window yet. I'm looking around. There's an ice cream truck out there. There's a suspicious-looking individual in the ice cream truck. Could be undercover. I am ready. Come get me, copper. When we come back at the other side of the bottom of the hour, we'll talk to Cheryl from Lakewood. Pete now sitting in for Bob France. Listen closely, because I may not be back. I may not be back at the bottom of the hour.
0: Understand the Commander in Chief. Uh, in uh, in Libya, we should be opening up the, the the the. Always right with Bob France. I
4: shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. I am fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning, Cleveland. Pete now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right. We've had a really interesting discussion so far this morning. and We will have a continued interesting discussion in the next hour and 15 minutes. Uh, I gave you a couple of metrics that should cheer you and confirms that we're about to hit a big red wave coming up um, next week. And I'll give you some additional metrics in a moment that I think are pretty conclusive with respect to the size of the wave. Now, it doesn't guarantee that wave, but historically we are at a point where the metrics show that we should have blowouts in both the Senate and the House. And if we don't, well, we've got some uh, thinking and talking to do. I am told that both the ice cream truck and the Amazon truck that were just outside the studio have left and the suspicious individuals involved. No, the, I, I am not sure who is in there, but you always got to be concerned about the FBI because I have told the FBI to come and get me, Copper. And, you know, don't know if they will or not, but I'm going to continue to assert that the leadership at the FBI in Washington should resign en masse. They are a disgrace to the history of the fbi let's go to cheryl in lakewood cheryl are you there hey, cheryl are you there can you hear me i can hear you can you hear me i sure oh, can great. <laughs> what's on your mind Cheryl?
7: I, I just i just want to say that i think that while i, I i'm hoping and praying that we will do well this cycle and i I think we will do well i i I think though that the republican party missed a great opportunity to garner a groundswell of black votes. and the reason i I say that is because they if they had just taken uh, the time to focus and spotlight on this this gay and trans sex ed that is being promulgated in the schools with specifics about what these curriculums uh, include they could have swayed so many black parents, especially black mothers. Uh, I personally have been able to change the minds of several lifelong Democrats by just letting them know what these gay and trans sex policies will be, what their children in public schools will be learning, including five-year-olds learning about gender identities, eight-year-olds under the proposed New York law, Eight-year-olds will learn about hormone blockers. Eleven-year-olds will learn about various forms of sex, including one that starts with an A and one that starts with an O. And these are policies that they want to be nationwide, already in existence in California, already in existence in, in Illinois, and they want these policies nationwide. And I think that once parents hear that, at least the ones that I talk to, that has awakened them to say, no, you know, this is a bridge too far. I don't want this for my child. And I just really wish that the Republican Party had hammered home this message more, especially in black neighborhoods to black voters whose children have no choice but to be in public school. So if whatever is promulgated, their children are going to be the ones who are going to be getting the brunt of this. And so that, that's all. I mean, again, I'm hoping that we'll do well. But I just think it was a missed opportunity.
4: Cheryl, thanks so much for your comment. I couldn't concur more. I think that the Republican Party, you know, never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity, as you said. But in defense of the Republican Party, I think they're doing a little bit better job on that. They have been, at least discrete candidates have been raising the issue. And you're right. What we have seen in the last several months is a swing toward Republicans, it's been, you know, on national news, they've been mainly talking about Latino voters, where there's been this massive swing to the Republican side, much of it driven by the cultural issues that Cheryl was talking about. To some extent, that's also occurring in the black community, where these cultural issues, what is being taught in schools, mainly by Democrat-controlled teachers from from these uh, uh, teachers' unions, that have nothing to do with reading and writing arithmetic. As I said at the outset, the United States is 38th in math, but boy, we can outdo anybody on identifying genders, uh, which is going to serve us really well in the future. We're going to be a, you know right at the cutting edge of technological achievement because of that. But nonetheless, I do think Democrats have gone so far off the cliff on these cultural issues that number of minority voters are coming to the... Republican Party, in addition to what Cheryl had been describing, is what we've seen in recent polling data among suburban white women, which are flocking back to, if they ever left in the first place, but if they didn't leave, they're coming to the Republican Party, because again, the policies being promulgated by the Democratic Party in schools, and generally in our culture, have a deleterious effect on our children, and They maintain that, as you've heard from Kamala Harris, the cackler-in-chief, from uh, Hillary Clinton, that it takes a village. They think, and they've articulated precisely this, this is not an exaggeration, that the children, as Kamala Harris said, are the children of the community. They're not your kids, they're the community's kids. No, they're not. The community may assist in this, that, and the other thing. And back when I was growing up, the community did assist by telling you better stop doing that, otherwise I'm going to tell your parents, or you better stop doing that, or you got to, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, make sure that your parents know about it. You've got to stop these these uh, things that you're doing, like egging houses. I never did anything like that. I'm not, not going But yes, um, we have to make sure that these ridiculous policies, these. Cultural assaults on our children are stopped in their tracks, and that's one reason why I think significant members of females and minorities are gravitating toward Republicans. Let's go to Jack in Cleveland. Jack, what's on your mind? Thank okay. you. Um, I listened to that part of that speech
3: with uh, Biden the other night where he mentioned that uh, there's a threat against democracy.
11: Well, if we're not even a democracy republic, why is he continuing to keep on... Mentioned in democracy, they—they they, is that what they want? A democracy?
4: Yeah, we don't want an unfettered democracy. That's the—that's uh, mob rule. That's why we have a republic. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jack.
5: Right.
11: Uh, in other words, it, you know, we're a constitutional representative republic, probably more, you know, defined. But why? Did, he mentioned democracy 37 times in that speech. Is that how they think? That's what
9: they want?
4: I think there's two things going on there. At least two things going on there. The first is. They don't have much to run on. What do you run on other than these esoteric, kind of ambiguous, nebulous references to democracy that it's somehow under threat, which is a big joke? They can't yeah. run on inflation. They can't run on their economic record. They can't run on their foreign policy record after the Afghanistan debacle. Remember, there's still $80 billion in some of the most advanced weaponry now in the hands of the Afghans. And the Chinese who came in right after that. They can't run on the border. They can't run on crime. You can draw a direct line from a policy prescription of the Biden administration to some debacle such as gas prices or the diesel fuel shortage that's, that's coming up shortly. So they have to talk about these things such as January 6th that nobody cares about or abortion or this nebulous threat to democracy. That's all they've got, Jack. So there you have it already. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Let's go to Smitty in Parma. Smitty, you there?
3: Yeah. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Hey, you know, we, we uh innocent infant children. Biden started it pretty much since he's been around, and the problem is we even got local stuff now. Giant Eagle, Kroger grocery stores, and exporting sporting goods are paying to fly women all over the United States to have abortions. What are we, nuts? These are innocent infants. You know, uh, what's your comment?
4: Go ahead. Well, my comment is that, um, I think it was Breitbart, Andy Breitbart said that politics is downstream from culture. Uh, And there's a lot to be said for that. I think in the main that's correct, but to some extent politics also drives culture. And I think we're at a point now where politics is driving culture to some degree. But either way, right now we can't seriously contend that the culture in this country is a healthy one We've got a lot of reckoning To do and I don't mean to wax Spiritual or religious I'm, I'm ill suited to do so But the farther The further we get From our spiritual Underpinnings I think The more likely we're going to find Ourselves in the wilderness Just yeah. look at Yeah, some, yeah just, just look at um, You know if, if you don't respect life um, there's a lot of deleterious consequences that flow from that that don't necessarily go to life and death. But take a look, for example, at what's happening. There's a lot of reasons for what I'm about to say, you know, the, the defund the police movement and uh, the prosecutors that uh, simply release people without a, a thought as to the safety of the public. But when you take a look at what seems to be almost ubiquitous video these days of some of the more, it, 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 the, they are savage visions of what's transpiring in our society when you look at the assaults in the subways of New York, in the streets of Chicago, in almost every major city. We've got homeless who are littering the the landscape. We've got open-air drug dens. We've got just so much disquiet, degeneration, dysfunction in the society today. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with policy prescriptions wrong-headed policy prescriptions but i think a lot of it is the slow trickle the descent of our culture into something that's almost a, a clockwork orange or lord of the flies era I, again i'm ill-suited to wax philosophical like this but i think most of the listeners if i know you guys and i think i know most of you fairly well i think they will say that we've got some serious problems here and i know uh sister mary grace for example We'll talk a lot about this, uh, but, again, let's go to Dan yes. in Nebraska. Are you in Nebraska, Dan? Yeah,
2: hello, this is Dan. Hey, Dan. And I'm in Nebraska.
4: What are you doing yeah. in Nebraska? Are they holding you hostage there?
2: Yes. Yeah, no, no, this is a good life. You have to drive into the state on any highway, and you will immediately be introduced to the reality that Nebraska is where the good life is.
4: Well, you know, I've not been in Nebraska very often, but I had a case there uh, once, and I have to admit, first of all, uh, outside of Kansas City, I think Omaha has the best stakes. Um, And I'm not saying outside of Kansas City. It may be the same as Kansas City. They got great stakes there. And second, the people were super nice. I mean, they actually treated me as if I was a normal human being.
2: Yeah. Well, let's hope we don't lose that, but I do think you have a correct perception. I was kind of listening for someone to say that about politics is maybe now leading culture because you said you didn't think you were qualified on the uh, spiritual side. Well, I'm most certainly not qualified on, on the on that end of it to make that assessment. But I agree with it. Definitely, politics is now driving culture. I think. And I probably suspect you're more qualified on the spiritual part than it, it. So.
4: Well, uh, I know, you know, as a, uh, uh, a regular sinner, I know of which I speak. So I, I know what my deficits are, and I know how to address them, even though if I don't address them very readily. But, uh, Dan, I think you're right with respect to the, um, you know, well, I said it, and I think you've agreed, that right now I think that many on the left, Politics is driving the culture. They want to drive the United States toward the utopia. They think it's a utopia. Absolutely. We think it's a dystopia. But they're trying to drive our culture in a, a certain direction. What's most troubling to me is the manner in which children have become either pawns or outright disposable. Uh, what we are doing is un forgivable to our children. It's Amen. extraordinary what's Amen. happening. And I'll tell you right now, they can dismiss us, they can dismiss me all they want, but we see it with our eyes. We sense it intuitively what they're up to. We will resist at every juncture. And that's why, as I said a few minutes ago, huge numbers of women are coming toward the, the Republican Party and abandoning Democrats because they're mama bears. They see what's happening yeah. to their kids in schools and the cultural culture generally. Just look at the the idiocy that we see. And I'm putting that very mildly on cultural <laughs> avatars like just ordinary television shows. They are driving yeah, the culture correct. in a direction that they think benefits their worldview. I think it's going to rebound against them. Dan, thanks so yeah. much for calling well, from I, Nebraska. I, like to, I, yeah.
2: didn't, I didn't get to my call. Just, oh, I'm sorry. I Go ahead. <laughs> no, no problem. I got distracted. My fault. Um, what I'm hearing in Nebraska, and I also very involved with what happened in Brazil, so this culture thing is unit you know, worldwide. But I was listening to an ad for a Democrat governor race here, and the lady is using music. Doesn't tell what you know. Back to your statement, they don't have anything to run on. They're playing a very very catchy tune. Her last name being Blood. The song basically says, we need new blood, and it's played all over this, over and over. I mean, someone's pouring money into this race. i I I've bet money on it. I'd be curious to know. But just that, my question is this. That we know they have to have a strategy. Is music their next strategy? Because it, it's really catchy. It's going to be effective. Yeah, I, I think it is. Because you and I both ex- know what music does.
4: Yeah, to some extent I think music is effective, but it's just on the the fringes, the very remote and extreme margins. But they utilize everything they can. Uh, You know, there used to be a phrase when I was in law school, I don't know if they still do this, I was in law school in the Mesozoic era, but uh, they used to say that, you know, when you've... Got the law, you pound the law. When you've got the facts on your side, you pound the facts. When you have neither, you pound the table. And I think the Democrats right now are in the position of pounding the table metaphorically by using music, starves. They've always I done agree. that. They've always done that. And they know how to use the culture and various media far more effectively than Republicans, although Republicans are catching up big time. And uh, this is not necessarily the, the best example, but it's a sterling example, and that is Kerry Lake. Watch Kerry Lake. Now, I'm still somewhat agnostic oh, about am. Carrie Lake, but boy, is she good. You have to give her credit. She knows how to handle the media. I wish more Republicans would do so. You know, Donald Trump, I think, led the way, but he was more like a bull in the China shop, which I loved. And we and many of us loved the way he had absolutely no respect for the despicable media and the way they lied and distorted. And they were so biased. Carrie Lake takes a softer touch. I think it's much more effective. I think she's outstanding. And I think she's got a very good chance of winning a race that she, at the outset, had no business winning. And it's just dessert for Democrats who poured tons of money into her race during the primary because they thought she was a wacko and would be easier to defeat. Good for them. This is like the third race (laughs) where Democrats have messed up like this, continue to interfere in Republican primaries. Dan, thanks so much for your call. Uh, Be safe out there in Nebraska. Watch out for those corn cobs.
2: Well, come and see
4: us again. We will. I'll be out there as soon as possible. Take care. All right. Okay. Yeah, if, let me see if we've got a little bit of time. Do we have a little bit more time, Josh? Let me give you one more metric. I've got two more metrics to give you with respect to why there should be a red wave. And if there is not a giant red wave on Tuesday, I will be first and foremost among the so-called election deniers because this is a joke. And they're trying right now. They are sowing the ground To make sure that if there is any kind of lesser wave and we say, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. They're going to say, you're an election denier. What do you mean election denier? We have the right as citizens to question every single thing. We must question things about our electoral process. That's what keeps it pristine. We don't simply march along with what the elite tell us. But let me give you the metric. Third metric is the right track, wrong track number. Again, if the right track number is below 50%, the party in power will lose seats in the midterms. And today, the right track is at an almost incomprehensibly low 24%. In the past, you might see a wrong track. uh, That might be, say, 55%, right track, 45%. And if that's the case, that's pretty bad or maybe even as low as 40%, but we haven't seen in in my, my lifetime. I can't recall seeing, I take that back. I think there was one occasion where it may have been below 24%, but 24% really sets off alarm bells and should for the Democrats. And let me give you, since I have a little bit more time, the final metric that I always look to, and that is presidential approval rating overall. That's a simple one, okay? When the president's overall approval rating is below 50%, his party invariably loses seats in the midterms. To give you perspective, consider the following. 1994, you remember that, 1994, Clinton's approval rating was 46%. Okay, That year, Democrats lost 54 House seats and 8 Senate seats. Now remember that. That was the first time Republicans had taken over the House in 40 years. Huge wave, all right? But Clinton's approval rating was at 46%. In 2010, Obama's approval rating was about the same, at 45. He lost 63 House seats and six Senate seats, okay? Now, remember, those two approval ratings were respectively at 46 and 45%. This year, Biden's approval rating is between 36 to 40 well beneath that of his Democratic predecessors and let's be generous, let's say it's 40%. Remember, Clinton at 46, lost 54 seats in the House and 8 in the Senate. Obama at 45, lost 63 House seats and 6 in the Senate. Biden's approval rating is at least 6 points below that of Clinton, 5 below Obama. Both of whom saw their parties get absolutely shellacked in their first midterms. Hey, a A bonus. Gallup says that voters are more displeased with the status of the country right now than at any time in 40 years. And CBS says 80%. Think about that. You never hear stuff like this. You usually hear maybe at best 40%, 50%. 80% of likely voters say the country is, quote, out of control. We better have a huge night come Tuesday, and if they start delaying the counting of the vote in the most technologically advanced country in the world, you know what? Let them call us to election deniers, because I get nervous whenever I see this. I have a brain, I have eyes, I can see, and I don't take my marching orders from morons who claim to be election experts on MSNBC, CBS, ABC, and all the other alphabet networks. Okay, I hear the music that tells me I'm going to be leaving at some point soon. Again, don't see the FBI, but I think Josh Booth is going to escort me out. Let's go to commercial. And then at the top of the hour, we should have J.D. Vance. They're motioning to me saying the FBI is coming to get me. Is the FBI actually coming to get me? Folks, J.D. Vance can't make it, which means, folks, that we're going to have a lot more time to talk about. They just informed me J.D. won't make it. That's too bad was really looking forward to talking to him. I hope he gets on WHK again before the election because there's a lot to talk about. But I've got, in, in one respect, I'm kind of glad that he won't be able to make it. I'll talk a little bit about what I think his policy prescriptions are. I don't want to speak for him. But I want to have the next hour with you guys because I've got a lot to say. As my buddy Larry Elder has to say, folks, we've got a country to save.
1: Is Always Right Radio with Bob
0: France on AM 1420 The Answer.
4: Hello, Cleveland Pete now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right. We've been having a lot of fun this morning. Unfortunately, we were supposed to have JD Vance at the top of this hour, but he called in to say that he's tied up. He's in the middle of uh, a really tough race that I think he's going to prevail on against Tim Ryan, and we understand, although we're disappointed. But It gives me more time to bloviate. That's always a good thing for me, bad thing for you. But a couple things. I want to give you some information because I'm not just here to just kind of vent. I'm here to give you information, Uh, intellectual ammunition, as it were. By the way, because J.D. Vance is not on, I'm going to have to at least take a moment to mention that. Almost 50 years ago to the day, yours truly scored a 65-yard touchdown to open up a can of whoop-you-know-what against his alma mater, decidedly inferior school Yale, in which we prevailed at the end of the day 31 to 6. So there, you know. But nonetheless, here we are. Um, We're only a few days away from the election. I want to talk about J.D. Vance, about differences between his policy prescriptions and that of his rival, uh, Tim Ryan. Um, I'm sure you've heard some of that in the past. But one of the things that struck me in talking about Tim Ryan Um, You know, he seems to be an everyman, you know, from Youngstown. I've done a lot of work in Youngstown. I love the Youngstown area. The people there are phenomenal. Blue-collar folks, which have been trending for the last 30 years toward the Republican Party, used to be, you know, the old Democratic Party uh, used to represent blue-collar workers. Uh, My father was a blue-collar worker. He was a Democrat until such time as he figured out that the Democrats are abandoning him. Uh, I think a lot of people, as we talked about earlier earlier, Today, I think it was with Cheryl, Um, you know, people who have been traditional constituencies of the Democratic Party have been emigrating away from the Democratic Party because of some of their linear policy prescriptions. They're not taking care of the ordinary kitchen table items that, uh, you know, we were hoping political parties would address in addition to foreign policy issues and and so on and so forth. But now they're getting into being cultural warriors. And, uh, you know, there's information that Tim Ryan is was in favor of or vote for a bill that would have paid for gender reassignment surgery for illegal immigrant kids, illegal immigrant kids, Uh, you know, planned parenthood, providing puberty blockers to children. Uh, Folks, I am again ill suited to wax philosophical about these things. These are huge titanic cultural items, civilizational items, but it doesn't take much to understand that, gender reassignment for kids who can't even make a decision about what goes into the lunchbox is the height of irresponsibility. Bill Maher, of all people, Bill Maher was saying that you know he wanted to be a pirate as a kid, but he's glad that they didn't gouge his eye out or chop off his, his leg to put a peg there so he could be a pirate. There are certain points at which adults, yes, adults need to exercise their responsibility and authority as adults and step in and say, okay, we understand what you want to do, not right now at least, at least not until such time as you can make a rational decision and it's not going to occur, irreversible decisions like this while you are a kid. And to have the government step in, something is wrong with this picture. I think every single one of you recognize there's something seriously wrong when the government is adamant about doing this. What the heck is going on here? The government that's permitted inflation to spiral out of control, crime to spiral out of control, the border to be an utter catastrophe, fentanyl overdoses at a record level, critical race theory and DEI throughout all of our institutions A government that's doing that is not acting in the best interests. It is unequivocally the case. They are not acting in the best interests of the citizenry. And the only way to stop them from doing that is to, you know, as you do with a puppy that's acting up, maybe take up a rolled-up newspaper and smack him on the head. Bare minimum. Rolled-up newspaper and metaphorically smack him in the face with arguments, and it's, you know what, it's not that hard. Almost every single listener today who called in had a way of smacking them in the face with a rolled-up newspaper. You make certain principled and easily articulable arguments, frankly. I know we talked to Sally and Mark and Jim and Barbara and Andy and BG and Cheryl and Jack and Smitty and Dan, and each one of them were able to articulate policy prescriptions almost as well as a Tucker Carlson. Each one of us has it within us in our own spheres and in our own way to push back with our own articulation of what ails America and the remedy therefor. I think, you know, when you talk about someone like BJ, 92 years old, those of you who heard BJ in the last segment, 92 years old, clear as a bell, as logical as any philosopher you've ever heard. And he was able to stand up for America. It's incumbent upon each one of us to do the same thing because, again, we've got a country to save, as Larry says. But contrast BJ, just for a moment. Think about what BJ had to say and how he said that with the speech we heard from the individual who purports to be the commander-in-chief a couple nights ago. Um. I have so much to say about that. I don't even know where to begin let's Let's first begin with the vessel that is President Biden. How is it that the greatest country in the history of the world ended up with somebody who, frankly, most of us wouldn't want to have us have him bagging groceries for us? No disrespect to the people who bag groceries. It's usually young kids who are in a transition or older people who've got you know bills to pay. No, that's a you know honest job. every job is. But he's commander in chief of the greatest military in the history of the world, which, by the way, he is doing his best to not just denigrate, but to destroy. We are now in a position, and I'm going off on tangents, I know, but this is important. We're now in a position where our military hardware is becoming obsolete, is broken down, is in disrepair. China is building three times as many ships as we are. Our Navy is deteriorating, physically deteriorating. China is projecting power because previous Democrat administrations have virtually sold the technological store to China and its military. China is leapfrogging us in many respects technologically, hypersonic missiles being just one example. All of these things are occurring. Our government is not taking care of the most important functions and, again, are engaged in things that are moving our culture in a dangerous direction, but they're not protecting our borders. That's one of their first obligations. We are a sovereign nation, and they're not doing that. They're not protecting us in terms of the military readiness that would act as a deterrent to bad actors such as Putin. Again, let me go on another tangent. All of you know this. I distinctly remember last January, it was in the evening, and I was in my basement in my workout area. I have a very nice little workout area. And I was working out, my, the TV was behind me, and Biden was being interviewed about the buildup of Russian forces along the Ukrainian border. And they asked him, meaning the media, what will the U.S. response be? And he says, well, he's almost like thinking out loud. He's almost as if he's, he's in a classified briefing with his National Security Council, and he's just doing this kind of random association out loud. And he says to the entire world, well, it depends on if it's a minor incursion or, you know, something else. Thereby giving Vladimir Putin a green light. I remember turning around and, and staring literally with my jaw open at the TV. I'd never heard, not never, that's a little bit uh, low over the top, but I've rarely heard a more irresponsible and dangerous statement from someone who purports to be the commander-in-chief. If you listened to BJ, I am sure BJ would have had a much more sober, intelligent re- reply. So it's not a matter of age with with Biden, that's although with him he seems to be deteriorating far more quickly than most people that I know of a similar age, it's that he wasn't very smart to begin with. And I think you've heard me in the past if you've listened to this show that I've had a number of interactions with Biden on a, on a uh, professional and remote level, frankly. I've never interacted with him face-to-face, one-on-one, but I would testify quite frequently on panels, you know, congressional s- Senate panels in which he was seated, and uh, it got to the point where it, he had a deer in the headlights look half of the time. Or remember the old RCA dog with its head tilted? You know, he'd get that look on his face whenever I'd say something they didn't understand, which was almost every sentence that came out of my mouth. So this is what we've got. They foisted, meaning they, the media. Our media has become wholesale corrupt. They don't tell you certain things, and what they do tell you is almost utterly false. The media wholesale shielded Biden from any scrutiny. Remember, he was in his basement most of the time. They didn't pose any kind of penetrating questions to him. They lied repeatedly about Donald Trump. In fact, the biggest political scandal in the history of the United States was Russiagate, an utter lie. Everything about it was false. They awarded themselves Pulitzer Prizes and other awards for reporting these things. We had hamstrung the Trump administration for two years because of the lie. The FBI, to its everlasting shame, participated and perpetuated that lie. All of these things occurred. All of these things occurred. And here we have a commander-in-chief at a critical juncture in American history. We've got a diesel fuel shortage, inflation, crime, fentanyl. Tens of thousands of Americans are dying because of fentanyl pouring across the border. Ukraine, critical race theory, DEI, China on the march. That's just a taste of the problems that we face, all of which are remediable. These are things that weren't occurring just two years ago before they told us, we got to get rid of the bad orange man. He's destroying America. Give us a chance to destroy America. And boy, they're better at it. i got to give them credit. They are really doing their best to destroy America. And as Tucker Carlson said, this is not by accident. It's not a conspiracy theory. 20 years ago, we would have thought, eh, you know, that's a conspiracy theory. It's happenstance. This is not something that's organized. But no, just look at the evidence. They're now so bold as telling you precisely what they want to do. They want to get us off of fossil fuels. Are you kidding me? We're seeing what's happening there. We don't have a plan. Even if we could transition, we don't have a plan for doing so and can't do so anytime in the next 20 years in a rational fashion that won't cause major economic dislocation. But this is where we are today. Um, by the way, as you know, many of, and as many of you yourselves, I, I very often kind of default to Tucker when I want a comprehensible digest of what's transpiring. He's not, as one of my football coaches Used to say, "I'm not always right, but I'm so very seldom wrong." And I think that applies to Tucker. He um, makes me revisit previously held assumptions, and at my age, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. And um, I should say, I hope all of you watch. Uh, there will be some time, and I don't know, I don't have a release date for it, but. Um, I was interviewed by Tucker last week for Tucker Carlson's original full hour. It was a lot of fun. I know I'm going to be in jail right afterwards because I was saying things I ordinarily wouldn't say uh, because Josh would give me a spanking if I said it here on the radio. But I'll tell you what, I think we're going to go to a break. When we come back, I'm going to take more calls. Joe in Westlake is going to be talking about the military budget. Joe, hold on. When we come back, we're going to talk about the military budget and the Democrats' plan to completely eviscerate it.
0: When the stupidity of the left hurts, oh god, I hurt a little, but I'm alright. Always right with Pop France. Oh god, I'm not good, yeah. I On am 1420, the answer.
7: Go ahead, grab your picket signs, and you can find out. You're protesting later on It sure feels good to be a part of something, doesn't it? Just as long as you belong Hey, look at this little revolutionist Trying to start a revolution With nothing to revolt against Is it the truth that you're defending? Or the chance for you to grab some attention?
4: Well, hey, there's the pedestal Stand up straight Don't it feel great? Everyone can see your face Cleveland Peekers now here Or Bob France On Always Right um, let's, a couple things before we go to Joe. No, I tell you what, Joe's been holding military budget. Let's talk to Joe, and then I've got a couple of points to make. Joe, how are you?
13: Very good, Peter. Thanks for scoring a touch down against that evil yell, <laughs> one of the worst places in the world. All and, kinds of uh, bad
4: ideas come out of there.
13: Oh, they played a huge part in destroying the whole country right up there with Harvard so yeah please feel free to score touchdowns against them anytime
4: person out for one play <laughs>
13: right so here's uh, here's the thing about the military budget the military budget in 2021 was more or less the highest it's ever been at an estimated near 1 trillion dollars in total spending and around that same time the navy's littoral combat ship program failed, which cost many billions of dollars. The military ran Operation Warp Speed to create a a so-called vaccine that ended up increasing the death rate rather than decreasing it. And they've had various other failures in leadership as well. So perhaps we should focus on a change in leadership in the military rather than throwing good money after bad. What are your thoughts?
4: I agree with you entirely. Um, You know, many, uh, I'm like the Black sheep, metaphorically speaking, of the family, and not uh, being in the military. I almost went to West Point, but chickened out. But um, many of my uh, male family members uh, were in the military. I I think that what we're doing to the military is a travesty. Um, the woke nature of our leadership. You've got uh, Milly and um, uh, Austin, who exemplify the worst aspects of this drift of our military in our service academies. It, it's it started um toward this kind of a failure to understand that, as Rush used to say, the purpose of the military is to, you know, kill people and break things. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we're supposed to win. We're the United States of America. And we've got the best fighting forces around if you permit them to fight. But my concern now is that we are changing America to certain extent. So we're not as vigorous and robust as we used to be. But again, going back to your point, Joe, the leadership is awful. There's no way of but the, the debacle in Afghanistan, I think, puts the bow on everything you've just said. It is extraordinary what transpired there. Every From A to Z, you do not have to be the greatest military strategist in the world to, to see that everything we did was bass-ackward. From abandoning Bagram first and taking all of our troops out before we secure... it—just Look, I'm going to become apoplectic. Joe, thanks very much for your call. We're at the bottom of the hour. I think we've got to go to a commercial break in just a moment. And then when we come back, we'll talk to Tom and Euclid about the, the border law. We've, we've been going, running through tons and tons of callers. I truly appreciate it. And I do want to give you a couple more metrics before we leave today. Pete Kersenal sitting in for Bob France on the authority.
0: so bad you just have to laugh (laughs) always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer
4: hey chris now sitting in for bob france thank you for letting me be myself as i do so um before i go to time i want to give you a couple more little metrics here i enjoy providing this kind of material most of the metrics that i get from come from the civil rights commission but these were just just metrics i got from various sources I think these are important. They're not necessarily cohesive or coherent, but they give you data points. Uh, First, uh, I wrote an article for National Review dealing with immigration and all the problems. They are manifold and manifest, and there's so many. But let me just give you a couple of discrete items. Remember, when everybody went down to the border... Back in 2000, I think it was 1718, because Trump had kids in cages. I mean, the media swarmed down there. Everybody in the world, including the Brexville High School newspaper, went down there to cover this travesty. Kids in cages. And remember, ALC went down there to cry at a parking lot. Um, hardly any media coverage right now of this complete and utter, unprecedented catastrophe at the border our sovereignty is being completely abdicated there's estimates up to 5 million border crossers since the beginning of the Biden administration but let me just give you some some measurements here in 2020 you know back uh, uh, Trump's last year there were 283 deaths at the border okay that's a lot no doubt about it now 748 under Biden here not a peep the number of people with criminal records crossing the border Four and a half times as many now as there were then. The number of people on the terrorist watch list back then, three in 2020, 78 in fiscal year 2022, 78 that we caught. I think there are 600,000 gotaways, the ones who are gotaways. That is, they don't want to be caught because everyone else turns themselves in because they know Biden's going to release them into the interior. If they don't do that and they are gotaways, there's something seriously wrong with them. Total numbers, 2.9 million this year versus 458,000. I thought 458,000 was too much. We needed a border wall back then, but now 2.9 million. We will no longer have a country, folks, if this continues on. Number two, my pick for the election, my kind of favorite pick for who I want to prevail in any given race, and of course I want Republicans to va- prevail, is in the Michigan gubernatorial staples are almost unaffordable. Now, I, you know, look, I'm a lawyer. I don't do badly, uh, but this is a struggle for everybody. So, folks, in four days we can begin To turn around the ship of state and return us to America again. And there's no problem saying precisely that because the leadership, not your average Democrat out here who may be, you know, working next to you, but the leadership of the Democratic Party has gone off a friggin' cliff. Again, looking out for the license here. You cannot vote for these individuals. It's that plain. We have a country to save and you are essential to it. P. Curse now sitting in for Bob France on, I keep saying it the wrong way, I kept saying the authority, but it's the authority that's always right. Bob will be back. Come see me next Saturday at McFan at the Thirsty Cowboy. All the best-looking people in the world will be there. Be there or be square